please be advised, this episode may include depictions of murder, sexual content, and foul language that is not suitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. Welcome back to Wickedness. I'm Lenny. And I'm Matt. And I am so ready for this week's episode. Are you? I am. <laughs> Aren't we covering, um, I forgot already. Shut up. We're on part two. Oh. Part two of Jeffrey Dahmer's crazy ass. I thought we were done with him. No. No? Why would, babe, I literally last week told you we have at least a second part. I know. I'm just messing with you. Shut up. Shut uh. up. <laughs> You're fired now. Mm. Don't be anyway, mean. let's talk about our week and ease into this a little ease. bit. Ease into it. I wish I could have a glass of wine right now, but Ladies I Ladies and gentlemen, listen to the smooth sounds. <laughs> Shut up. Part no. two. That's got Dahmer vibes. Yeah, it does. Oh, Is gosh. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. With my mustache and all. <laughs> Ew. Now you have to shave. <laughs> nope. No, you have a beard to go with your mustache. I do. So, so no. It's okay. Weird vibes coming from you. Thank goodness. Nope. Well, tell me about your week. Nah, it's been a it's been a week. It's just been a blah week. But we had a really good weekend. Although I did okay, so I did start a new diet this week, which I'm really excited about. Um, it's like teaching me how to change my thoughts on how I eat, which is I know might sound strange, but it's not strange. Because we get these habits and we just do these things that we probably shouldn't be doing, like board eating. That's oh, which one. I know. Yeah, which is a big thing for me. Ever since starting this one, like I'm eating every two and a half hours from the time I wake up till I go to bed. It's it's what I, it, it is weird for me to do that. But I actually have this app that I'm using that reminds me to eat every two and a half to three hours. And it's small stuff. I'm eating like these little low, like nothing's over 110 calories. And then I have one meal, a dinner, like the, that's, that's lean protein and veggies a day. And I don't know how many calories are in it. It's not a lot of calories, but it's a lot of food when you actually start to weigh it out and eat everything you're supposed to eat in that one meal. And so that's been a little different or a lot different but I did realize that I I am a bored eater because I can't go to the pantry anymore and graze for anything but I don't want to yeah luckily with eating every two and a half hours I'm full so that's helping me break that habit but that last week was my first week on it and and it the first few days was I could tell I was getting up and I was going to the pantry and looking around and I'm like what am I doing I can't eat first off because it's not time. Mm-hmm. And 
none of this is pre-approved snack food. Yep, antsy pants. Yeah, and then the second thing was I am I wasn't even hungry then, so I started realizing I am a bored eater. Yeah, which is why I'm I'm thirty to forty pounds overweight. A lot of us are guilty of that for sure. Anyway, I saw this like on Facebook actually. A friend of mine had posted that she had lost twenty pounds in two and a half months doing this. So I was like, I only have 30, 40 pounds to lose. I'm going to do this. Yeah, that's good. I'm doing it. Yes, you are. Yes, I am. So anyway. Now, well, you got sick. I don't, you know, I during the it. week. <laughs> it was a whole thing. The whole family. It was just passed around. I mean, you know, granddaughter got it. Then grandmother got it. <laughs> because grandma had to go to daycare and pick up granddaughter. Mm-hmm. So while she's throwing up and everything in my Jeep and on the couch here in my house and stuff, and I'm trying to work, it was a Wednesday, but, you know, I work from home. So my daughter's like, Mom, can you please go get her? So I did go get her and brought her here. And then Wednesday, when that was Wednesday, and then then Friday, I was sick. I, it's like a 24-hour bug because Saturday, I was completely fine, like 100% better. Like I hadn't even been sick at all on Friday. But then Matt was a little sick. He at least wasn't throwing up or any of that stuff. Thank but God, yes. I was at 2.30 in the morning. I wake up and I'm in the bathroom for the next four hours or so. It was a long time in there. I thought I was going to die. Yeah, I don't wish that, but it's going around, I heard. So, yeah, that was, that sucked, but didn't help me lose any additional weight on my new diet. <laughs> it's like, dang it. <laughs> or at least I don't think it did. But anyway, um, yeah, we also have had some crazy fall weather. It has been not fall weather. Not fall, not at all. Like, it's been, what, in the 90s, 80s, 90s, until today? It was really cold, and then it got, well, not really cold, but it got colder. It was down in the 50s, and then it would shoot up to the 90s throughout the end of the week. So, like, earlier part of the week, it was cold, then it got really warm. And so you go from, okay, well, I can break out my cute little sweaters to, oh, I need my shorts and tank tops again, all in the same week, and I I was getting really irritated. And then today... It's been like that, you know, so far. But today, now it's like raining. It's supposed to be 75, but it's only made it to like 57. I was freezing earlier, so I had to turn the heater on. Yeah. This is just nuts. And lots of wind. Yeah. So the wind was coming the last few days, the winds. And then we went to a fall festival festival pumpkin patch with all the grandbabies, Mm -hmm. which was a blast and fun. It was. The wind was was just a little irritating, but I mean, we made it through. (laughs) We're survivors. We are survivors. <laughs> it's a tough life. <laughs> All right. So let's just, let's get into this Jeffrey Dahmer stuff that we, we're, you guys all came to listen to. So last week we introduced Jeffrey, how he grew up, that he might have been damaged because of a double hernia surgery, how he liked to dissect roadkill and then graduated to killing people, which is huge. That's a big step. That's a big graduation. Mm-hmm. We talked about him finding out he was gay, how he didn't do well in school, but wasn't completely dumb either. We talked about him, you know, killing his first victim a couple of weeks after graduating high school and then dropping out of college, getting kicked out of the army for his alcoholism, not to mention the fact that he reportedly raped 
two of his male members of in his thing, but he never got caught for it. Mm-hmm. Um, how he moved in with his grandma to ultimately pretend to be a productive member of society. And then he started going to gay bars and bathhouses where he started drugging his partners and raping them. And we ended with him getting probation for disorderly conduct, but really it was indecent exposure and he was ordered to get some counseling instead of doing jail time, which is what he should have done. So we're seeing that he gets off easy so many times before he actually gets caught. He gets away with so much crap. Yeah. So, well, you see that too a lot in some of the stories we've covered where people get off easy or the like where the where the police you're like, "Come on, why aren't you doing more? Like what is going on?" But, yeah. And I think in in this case back in the day, he was white, he was a white guy who mm-hmm. I I hate to say that because I don't want I don't want to say that, but I really believe that it was a racial thing where they were like, "Well, you're a white guy, you're a first time offender on this kind of stuff. Like you're, you know, we'll get you some treatment, some counseling and, and you're going to be fine. Yeah. Move it down the road. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't fine. So anyway, on November 20th, 1987, Jeffrey had rented a room at the ambassador hotel in Milwaukee. He met 25 year old Stephen Tuomi, who was from Ontonagon, Michigan. They met at a bar, and Jeffrey got Stephen to come back to the hotel with him. His plan was to drug and rape him, but when Jeffrey woke up the next morning, he found Stephen laying underneath him on the bed with his chest crushed in, and he was beaten black and blue. Jeez. I know. So blood was seeping from the corner of his mouth, and Jeffrey's fists and one forearm were bruised up, but Jeffrey had no memory of killing Stephen, and he even told investigators later that he, quote, could not believe this had happened, end quote. He told them, he had no intention of killing him and that he, he had to have blacked out. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So, so this guy wasn't going down, but evidently that didn't happen, that right. he wasn't going to kill him, but then he did. Right. He was going to do his normal, like he was doing in the bathhouses, he was going to do his, his normal drug him, rape him, leave him. Mm-hmm. This time he blacked out and actually murdered the guy in the hotel room. Gotcha. So... He freaked out, of course, and has to figure out how to how to dispose of Stephen's body. So he buys two large or one large suitcase, I guess, and he stuffs the body into it um, and takes it back to his grandma's house where he was living at the time. And a week later, Jeffrey severed Stephen's head, arms and legs from his torso. He filleted the flesh off the bones and then cut the flesh into small pieces so he could put it into a, a plastic garbage bag. He wrapped the bones in a sheet and pounded them into splinters with a sledgehammer. And this whole process took about two hours, and he threw all of the remains into the trash except for Stephen's head. For two weeks after Stephen's murder, Jeffrey boiled the head um, in a mixture of Soilex, which he, which is an alkali-based industrial detergent, and, so, and he mixed that with bleach because he was trying to keep the skull and he used the skull as a way to stimulate himself for masturbation. So oh, he really gosh. wanted to keep this thing. Yeah. Eventually, though, the skull became too brittle because of his bleaching process. And he ended up pulverizing it and disposing of it as well. So his Soilex bleach solution was something he had come up with, convinced himself that that this was going to help him preserve this yeah. damn skull. Hmm. After Stephen's murder, something in Jeffrey seemed to click, though, and he started to try to find victims. And most of them he found in or close to gay bars, and he would lure them to his grandma's house. He would 
drug them with sleeping pills either before or shortly after he had sex with them. And once they were unconscious, he would kill them by strangling them to death. And this just started his serial killer phase. That's this, all this, this did. Him, it just reminded me like lure them to grandma's house like he's the fox. <laughs> no, the little it's red a big bad wolf. Head, the big yeah. bad wolf. Yeah. He's the big bad wolf. I know, right? All I was these thinking little that red too. riding hoods here. Oh Man. gosh, that's sad. But it's his grandma. He's red riding hood. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's if right. you think about it, yeah. red riding hood was going to her grandma's house. So anyway. Yeah. Um, true. But I do see where that comes from. It just kind of made me think about that for some mm-hmm. reason. Well, I get why. He's going to grandma's house. <laughs> <laughs> so two months after Stephen's death, Jeffrey came across a Native American prostitute named James Doxtater, and he was only 14 years old. Jeffrey got him to come home with him, but by offering him uh, $50 to pose for nude pictures. So they get to Jeffrey's grandma's house and they have sex before Jeffrey drugs James and strangles him on the cellar floor, which is a little different because usually Jeffrey drugs them and rapes them, right? Mm -hmm. But apparently in this instance, he actually had sex with them and then then drugged him. Oh, yeah. And then strangled him. I didn't have to drug him. I got to have sex. Well, no. Remember, he he didn't, he liked to drug them so they didn't move. He didn't like when they moved during sex. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, so his so this this one was a little bit different. So Jeffrey left the body in the cellar for a whole week before he dismembered James's body in pretty much the same way he dismembered Stephen's body. He put the remains in the trash except the skull, which, like Stephen's, he kept until it was too brittle to keep, and then he smashed it and threw it away. <laughs> so like he was literally keeping this stuff and doing the best he could with it right. until he just couldn't anymore. Yeah. The guy is sick. So on March 24th, 1988, Jeffrey met a 22-year-old bisexual man named Richard Guerrero outside a gay bar called The Phoenix. He got Richard to come back to his grandma's house with him by offering him $50 to just spend the rest of the night with him. And when they got there, he drugged Richard with the sleeping with sleeping pills and strangled him with a leather strap. Then Jeffrey performed oral sex on the corpse. He then dismembered the body 24 hours later and threw it in the trash except the skull. This one he kept for several months months before he smashed it and threw it away. And then on April 23rd, Jeffrey lured another young man to his house. However, this time, right after Jeffrey had given the victim a drugged coffee, they heard Jeffrey's grandma calling to him saying, Jeff, is that you? Like they're totally getting interrupted this time. And even though Jeffrey responded to her in a way that should have led her to believe that he was alone, she still came to where he was and saw he had a guest in their house. Oh, wow. So Jeffrey decided not to kill this man, and he, he ended up taking him to the county general hospital where he, you know, he left the man passed out. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Lucky ducky. Yep. So several months later, in September of 1988, Jeffrey's grandma asked him to move out. She was done with his always bringing home men late at night, and she couldn't stand the foul smells that were coming from the basement and the garage, which I don't blame her. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't either. Yeah, she thought those smells were his experiments with animals, and she was just really upset that he wasn't taking it out somewhere else. So Jeffrey found a one-bedroom apartment on North 25th Street, and he moved into his new place on September 25th. I didn't realize this when, you know, I've, I've watched all these different documentaries and stuff. Yeah. I didn't realize that he had moved out of his grandma's and then moved back in and then moved out again. Like that's what he's doing here. So okay. he gets into his new place on September 25th. And then the next day he's arrested for drugging and sexually molesting a 13 year old boy. 
the very next day. Wow. Yeah, and he had lured this boy, 13, yeah. to his home on the pretense of posing for nude photos. Yeah, little MO of getting them to yeah. do that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, just disgusting. He's 13. So in January 1989, he was convicted of second-degree sexual assault and of enticing a child for immoral purposes. His sentence was suspended until May of 1989. And on March 20th, he started a 10-day Easter vacation from work, and he moved back in with his grandma during this time. Hmm. So he was barely out. Of, I mean, he's been out of the house, what, like five, six months? Yeah. It's not even that long. So two months after his conviction and two months prior to his sentencing for the sexual assault, Jeffrey murdered his fifth victim. I wonder if his, did his grandma know what was going on? No, she didn't know. How would she know? About not the killing, but about him getting sentenced and stuff. Well, I'm sure, time. I'm sure his dad told him and stuff oh, like, yeah. you know, oh, I'm yeah. sure she knows. Man, I wouldn't let him back in. No, but they, she loved him. She loved him. So anyway, two months after his conviction, two months prior to his sentencing for the sexual assault, like he's just in the middle of this whole case thing, right? He goes and murders his fifth victim. He has no fear or no, 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 no. conscience or whatever. Right. So Anthony Sears was a 24-year-old mixed-race aspiring model that Jeffrey met in a gay bar on March 25th, 1989, a few days after he had moved back in with his grandma. Like, he's right back to his old tricks. So Jeffrey said that this particular night, he wasn't looking for a victim or to kill anyone. He just wanted to have a night out to have some fun. But shortly after closing time, Anthony started talking to Jeffrey, so he decided to bring him to his grandma's house where he had where they had oral sex and then Jeffrey drugged and strangled him because he just, just help can't himself. help himself. Right. Yeah. So the next morning, Jeffrey put the corpse into his grandma's bathtub and then he decapitated the body before he tried to flay the corpse. He then went right back to his old habit of stripping the flesh from the bones and smashing them and throwing them into the trash. Jeez. Yeah, this one, however... Jeffrey said he found very attractive, so Anthony was the first victim that Jeffrey kept any body parts from. He kept his head and genitals in acetone, and he stored them in his work locker. Could you? Oh, my god! <laughs> like, it makes you not, like, you hope you never work at a place that has work lockers. Yeah. Knowing this stuff. Yeah, what am I going like, to find Like, what are here? people putting in yes. their lockers? So, when he moved to a new address the next year, he did take them there, but... For the longest time, he stored this guy's stuff in his locker yeah, at work. Yeah. So on May 23rd, 1989, Jeffrey was sentenced to five years probation and one year in the House of Correction. So with a work release permitting him to go to work so he can keep his job. He also had to register as a sex offender. Like I said, he got away with a lot, right? Mm -hmm. But he was released from this house of corrections two months early. I think it was something to do with overcrowding or something sure, like that. Probably, so they're like, yeah. Oh no, he's done well. He goes to work and yeah. he comes back on time and whatever. He's mm -hmm. a good, good model inmate or whatever. Yeah. So his five year probation sentence started at this time when he's released two months early, he temporarily moves back in with his grandma, but in May of 1990, he moved into the Oxford Apartments, and that was at practically the same address as before on North 25th Street in Milwaukee, which I find to be such a huge coincidence. He's in not in the same building or apartment, but on the same damn street. Yeah. As the first time he moved out of his grandma's house. 
It's just convenient. We're wherever you I mean. It's, just I what, it's like what he knows. Oh yeah, I guess it's just it's just crazy to me that's on the same street. But the apartment was a great deal. It only had the only drawback that it had was that it was considered to be in a high crime area. Otherwise, the rent was three hundred dollars a month with you know all inclusive. It was close to his job and it was fully furnished. So he took it. I would too. I think. Yeah. So now Jeffrey's living on his own. He's not with grandma anymore. He moved out um, of grandma's house on May 14th, 1990 and moved into 924 North 25th Street, apartment 213. He brought Anthony Sears' mummified head and genitals with him from his work locker, which I'm curious, like, how'd you smuggle that? In a bag. How'd you smuggle it in and how'd you smuggle it out with no one seeing? Yeah, just throw it in a bag. <laughs> oh, gosh. Now just got I'm got my mummified head in general. with me, no big I, deal. I know, right? I'm gonna, now. I'm gonna see people just carry in like a backpack, like they're normal people. But I'm gonna wonder what's in there. Yeah, that's not okay. <laughs> or you, when you walk out with your gym bag, babe, what's in there? Yeah, well, it's just my mummified head and genitals. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyway, in my so, socks and shoes. <laughs> gotta go work out. <laughs> I haven't seen Cody in a while. You oh, say you're working oh, out with him. Oh. Oh. All right, I'm going to need to see your friend soon. So a week after he moved into his new apartment, he killed his sixth victim, Raymond Smith. He was a 32-year-old male prostitute who Jeffrey brought home with the promise of paying him $50 for sex. $50 is like the magic. That's his number. Yeah. That's his going rate right Mm -hmm. there, 50 bucks and bring him in. Right, and we'll take some pictures. So at his apartment, he gave Raymond a drug drink and strangled him to death. And the next day, Jeffrey bought a Polaroid camera. And he took several, this is, this started his, his Polaroid collection. Okay. He took several pictures of Raymond's body and suggested positions before he dismembered him in the bathroom. He boiled the legs, arms, and pelvis in a steel kettle with Soilex. Cause now he's living alone. He doesn't have to hide this stuff anymore. Right. So now he doesn't have to pulverize everything. Yeah. This allowed him to rinse the bones in his sink and he dissolved the rest of the skeleton minus the skull in a container that was filled with acid. He later spray-painted Raymond's skull and put it next to Anthony Sears' skull on a black towel inside of a metal filing cabinet. A week after this murder, Jeffrey lured another man back to his apartment, but he accidentally gave himself the drugged drink, (laughs) and he passed out. When he woke up, he found that the intended victim had robbed him. He had stolen some clothes from him, $300, and a watch. And Jeffrey didn't report it to police, but he did tell his probation officer that he had been robbed. (laughs) <laughs> but I know why you didn't report it to police. Right. They're going to want to come in your apartment. Mm-hmm. So you just got screwed, buddy. <laughs> like, yep. So then in June of 1990, Jeffrey got an acquaintance named Edward Smith to come home with him. He drugged and strangled him, but this time he tried a new method to re- retain some of the body. Instead of immediately using his acid solution, he froze the skeleton for several months, hoping it wouldn't retain moisture. But, by freezing them, but freezing the body didn't remove the moisture like Jeffrey had hoped. So then he put it in acid at the end. Oh my goodness. Right? He accidentally destroyed the skull when he put it in the oven to dry it and the skull ended up exploding. <laughs> right? Goodness. So Jeffrey was upset by all of this and he would later tell police that he actually felt bad about this murder because he wasn't able to preserve any of the body parts, which I'm like, you didn't feel bad about the other part? No, like, because you got to not, keep some of it? Yeah, he didn't worry about killing the person. He just doesn't feel good because he didn't get to preserve the body parts just, like he wanted. 
blows your mind. Yeah. What is going on in there? In his head, I mean. So anyway, he had said it was his way of remembering what they looked like and to keep them with him in some way. And this was also why he would photograph them. Almost three months later, Jeffrey met 22-year-old Chicago native Ernest Miller and brought him home with the promise of paying him $50. And he got Ernest to agree to let him listen to his heart and stomach, which would have been a weird red flag for me. Like, will you come? Let me pay you. I just want to listen to your heart and your stomach. I just want to lay there and listen to your heart and stomach. <laughs> no, buddy, I'm not the one. I'm not into some weird fetish stuff or whatever yeah. that is. It, it just, I wouldn't have gone home with him. But so anyway, they're hanging out. And when Jeffrey tried to give Ernest a blowjob, Ernest told him that that would cost him extra. So Jeffrey went and got Ernest a drink. And of course, it's laced with two crushed up sleeping pills. Yep. <laughs> oh, you're going to make charge me more? I don't think so. So anyway, uh, I'm not sure how many sleeping pills he usually used. But for Ernest, they were specific about there were only two. So I guess he used more usually because he killed him after dosing him with the sleeping pills by cutting his carotid artery and letting him bleed to death instead of whatever it was he did before, like strangling him and stuff yeah. when that, whenever he's passed out. So apparently the sleeping pills, there weren't enough or whatever. Mm. But Jeffrey then posed Ernest's nude body for several suggestive Polaroid photos before he put the body in his bathtub and dismembered him. Jeffrey would repeatedly kiss and talk to Ernest's severed head while he was cutting up the rest of his body. Oh my goodness. Yeah. He wrapped his heart, biceps, and portions of the flesh from the legs in plastic bags and placed them in the fridge so he could eat them later. Oh. Yeah. He then boiled the rest of the organs and flesh in a jelly-like substance that had Soilex in it. It's a new substance that Jeffrey's come up with um, that allowed him to rinse the flesh off the bones so he could keep the bones. He tried to preserve the skeleton by putting the bones in a light bleach solution for 24 hours before he let them dry for a week. I guess he gave up on the oven drying method. Mm -hmm. The uh, the severed head was put in the refrigerator before he finally stripped it of its flesh and then painted it and coated it with enamel. The guy is sick. So three weeks later, Jeffrey met another 22-year-old named David Thomas at Grand Avenue Mall, and he persuaded him to come home with him for a few drinks, and he offered him some money if he would if he would pose for some pictures. When they got back to Jeffrey's apartment, he drugged David by slipping him some sedatives. But when David passed out, Jeffrey, this this one really bothers me. When he passed out, Jeffrey wasn't attracted to him anymore. He just kind of decided, oh, I don't want him anymore. But instead of dragging him out and leaving him alone or anything like that, he was afraid that if he woke up, he'd be really upset that he would he had passed out. So he just decided to strangle him and dismember him. But because he wasn't attracted to him, he didn't keep any of David's body parts. And unlike his other victims, you know, because, I mean, the attraction, I think, was the main reason yeah. he did this stuff. Right. So he photographed the dismemberment process, though, and this is what helped police identify him later. Okay. And know for sure that David was a victim. Gotcha. After David's murder, Jeffrey didn't kill anyone for about five months. However, I don't think it's because he didn't try to lure people back to his house. From what I was reading, he... He approached at least five different men, but none of them would come back to his apartment with him. I'm like, these guys, if they are seeing any of the news about Jeffrey Dahmer after his his capture and stuff, they have to be. I, I wonder if they remembered. Oh, yeah. Being approached by oh, him. Oh, yeah. And then you think there's got to be one of them. 
And and if that doesn't make you start believing in God and like mm-hmm. some kind of divine pr- protection, then y- you really are a lost soul. Right. <laughs> like I would be like, holy crap. Mm-hmm. This is, this was, oh, wow. I could have been a victim, you know? So during this time, he also complained about depression and anxiety to his probation officer. And I'm thinking, like, I often wonder in some of the stuff I read, he really did not socialize. Not Mm-mm. really. Like, he no. went out to gay bars and stuff yeah. a lot. Yeah. But I don't think he had even one real friend. No so real this friend. is, yeah, this is why he's talking to his probation officer yeah. about being depressed and anxious, yeah, you sure. know? Um, and he even talked to him about his sexuality. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't your counselor. Right. This is your probation officer. Yeah. But anyway, his lonely lifestyle, he would talk about his financial difficulties. And he also complained about having suicidal thoughts all to his probation officer. Yeah. It's sad. Mm-hmm. You don't, you can't even go talk to your dad about this stuff, apparently. No. So anyway, this is where we're going to stop part two today. And uh, next week I'm going to try to wrap it up, but Jeffrey Dahmer's story is pretty crazy and there's a lot to it. So I'm going to try to only make it three parts that there's a chance there'll be a fourth. Oh my goodness. Right. Right. (laughs) Anyway, let's stop and you guys just make sure you tune in next week. Tune in next week. All right. I like that. You need to do your radio voice for that. All right, folks, turn in next week. Until (laughs) then, let us know what you think. Oh Lord. Oh, you like that? No, because you said turn, not tune. Oh, I did? You don't turn in. You oh, tune, tune in. in. <laughs> Sorry, folks. All right, anyway. Tay. You can email us at wickednesstruecrime at yahoo.com. You can check out our website at wickednesstruecrimeintheunknown.com, and you can follow us on Instagram at wickedness. You can check us out on Anchor at anchor.fm slash wickedness, where you can also support us by clicking on that support button. And last but not least, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you listen to, uh, your podcast or our podcast on. And thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.